Hey everyone, it's the Catalyst Coach, Malika Stubbs, with another episode of 0.68, The Catalyst Effect. I hope you're having a wonderful day and I appreciate you taking the time to listen. This season was inspired by a tweet I came across on social media on resilience by Zena Shea Brown. Her tweet really resonated with me and required me to do some additional inner work, which led to the creation of this podcast, a blog, a companion journal, which you should check out on Amazon if you haven't done so already, and my upcoming book. The power of storytelling using these different platforms has allowed me to strengthen my resilience. So to understand the concept more deeply, I've decided to hold space for us to do this together on this show. Welcome and enjoy. (laughs) Welcome. I'm happy to have you on the show today. It's going to be crazy because, man, what I had to go through to get you here. (laughs) Interesting. But I'm glad you agreed finally to do this with me because, like I told you, there isn't a better person that I felt could do this show on this particular episode with this topic with me. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So tell the people a little bit about, you know, just who you are, a little background. I always like to open the space up with, you know, an introduction. Okay. Um, My name is Ada. Mm -hmm. I hail from Charleston, South Carolina slash Moats Corner, South Carolina, where I was born and raised. Um, I have done a lot of different careers, I would say, throughout my life. Um, You know, I've traveled. I enjoy hanging out with friends. I enjoy uh, being in actually just conversation with people, interacting, yeah. interacting with folks, learning, uh, growing. You love, to, you love to talk. So I like that. <laughs> I like conversation with folks. I'm glad you're honest. <laughs> yes, growing, developing. Um, you know, I would say that I am, you know, just a regular typical person. I have a little bit of eccentric attributes about myself. But other than that, you know, I'm just regular on me. Yeah, I can't wait for those eccentric attributes to show up on the show today. <laughs> I'm sure they will come out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. So the podcast is just a companion piece. And I kind of talked about this a little bit in my last live video so people could kind of understand. The podcast is just a companion piece to the blog post, which is also a companion has companion materials to a journal. So um, there are some strategies and steps people could use um, in the journal, and then they could purchase, well, in the blog, and they could purchase the journal to actually work through those strategies. So um, each episode is around a certain title that I wrote in the blog post. Mm -hmm. So this episode is about building community.
as you know, I've started this show to really shine a light on those defining moments of resilience in, in my life and with people that I have close connection, close soul ties, just love dearly and specific moment in my life, which, um, you know, you were there for some of those moments that um, not everybody got to see. And so we're going to talk about it all today on the show. And just so you know, everything is on the record. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so don't hold back. I just don't want you like feeling like you can't speak freely um, because you can. And uh, with that, I want to start with the quote that really brought me to this place of wanting to just have these conversations, Ada. Um, this, this quote by Zendashi just kind of gut punched me. And I tell people that because I'd never thought about resilience in this way until I read this quote. I didn't realize I had an option, right? Mm -hmm. I thought always I had to be strong. Right. So <laughs> let me read the quote and let's jump into it and just talk about how this became my inspiration for the podcast, the blog, and even my upcoming book. So it goes, I dream of never being called resilient again in my life. I'm exhausted by strength. I want support. I want softness. I want ease. I want to be amongst kin not patted on the back for how well I take a hit or for how many. So you've had time, you looked at it. What did you think when you first saw that? Cause it's been floating around on social media and it comes back up over and over again. Like what thoughts came up for you? Um, same. Uh, I think one of the biggest ways that I'm different from most people is that, you know, I don't consider myself to be uh, super, the only word that comes to mind is deep, but I'm not sure if that's, that's the word I want to use. You know, every word that somebody says and stuff, I don't necessarily hold on to it and, you know, if, and internalize it and stuff. But one of your favorite saying is words mean things. Mm -hmm. So when people say things, I definitely try to compute them as Cameron would say, computers putin. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, take them in and I think about it, but the way that I think is not generally how the mass public thinks. Right. So for instance, with words like resilient, and mm -hmm. I think even humble, those are words that mean usually something opposite from what the people are meaning them to mean whenever they talk to me in conversation. So whenever I read that, I was totally like, same. Right. Like, we have been told and taught by society that we should be a certain way. And we should inherently take some things on or live a certain way because that is what is best and that is what is expected. But I honestly feel like that is only that way because we have allowed society to make us believe yeah. that, that way. The programming. Um, <laughs> yeah, being resilient is one of them. 
it is so tiring. Mm-hmm. It is so time consuming. Mm-hmm. It is beyond <laughs> exhausting. It yes. is beyond draining. It is beyond um, maybe even confusing, maybe even being too heavy of a burden, a load for some people to be resilient yeah. all the time. All the time. People say many, many things as to why what doesn't kill you only makes Make you stronger. No, some of us are weak because we've been trying to be strong for so long and we weren't that yes. strong. Yes, and sometimes it does kill us. Stress absolutely kills us. Listen, Illness kills us. Brought this, on by stress kills us. This time that we're in, where now people are talking about mental health mm-hmm. on a hourly, daily, secondly basis. Like now, it's okay to say this is best for my mental health. It's okay to say I'm suffering from different mental health things, et cetera, et cetera. But as you alluded to us being a little riper in age, there was definitely a time where no one was talking about that. No. But expecting all kinds of um, all kinds of answers or all kinds of examples or all kinds of conclusions from us. Right. And or for us to continue to produce and do correct. and grind correct. and be on point. Correct. And <laughs> It has taken a toll on many of us. And yes. just because we are here and just because we are still standing, it does not necessarily mean that we have been resilient through the process or the cause. Right. Some of us are still standing, but we're being propped up. Okay. Okay. So, By so, that community. Thank God. Yes. Some of us are still here, but we're still suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, and we are not showing those parts and we are not expressing those things because we've been told that since we made it through it, that we need to look on the bright side of it, right, right. the positive side of it. But some of us are still suffering from the dark side of it. Yeah. And continue to have those, um, I guess, almost an in- more intense tra- traumatic stress as a result of the thing that we haven't had time to talk about or heal from because, hey, here comes something else that you have to show up for, be strong for, and you never have that time to pause, reflect, take a break, ask for help because next thing you know, there's even more on your plate and you got to show up and, you know, put on a space that you're okay and get get back to it, be on point, grind it out, do it all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think like, that part where you're like, you're being propped up. I just remember so many times where I definitely were was being propped up and I, I'm not even certain by who, <laughs> you know, some of those moments where I just can't even believe I was able to produce or create or go to work or thrive. Um, maybe I wasn't even thriving. I was just in survival mode to be honest because now I finally feel like now I, I could take a breath. I could thrive now, but mm-hmm. I, I've been propped up. And this whole time I have to be, admit to people. And that was a whole thing. That's some shaming and some guilt that you, you, you weren't your best self. You, you, you showed up, you know, people thought that you were, 
you know, oh, so great, but they didn't know how much it took for you to get out of bed and show up to that job or show up to that meeting or whatever function, social function that you didn't really want to go to. Right. Um, but you did it anyway. Um, right. There are so, so, so many of us that are trying to survive and people have no idea. Like when I say survive, I mean, just like what you're saying. Yeah. Like, I'm not even talking about uh, financially. I'm talking about like mentally, like you're tired, you're worn down, you're exacerbated, and you're trying to go day by day, take things day by day. Um, and thinking about that family thing, and that's a perfect segue to building community. Ada, like, you know, you know a little bit about my situation with my family. You talking about a close-knit family, cousins are like sisters and brothers. Mm -hmm. We grew up in the same household. We practically, I mean, ate out the same bowl of cereal when we only had a little bit of milk, <laughs> you know, things like that. I roll for my family. I still love my family deeply. But there came a point where I realized I had to have a chosen family to support me on the evolution of me because there were things that my family just was experiencing because that's, that's just where they are in their lives that, didn't, that no longer served me as mm -hmm. a person. Mm -hmm. So let's get, in, let's get into the building community because... Um, I think it's time um, for us to just kind of talk about one thing I, I, I think about now as I'm evolving, right? The evolution of me. I hear, you know, and it's a cliche, your network is equal to your network. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Show me your circle of friends and I could tell you about your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Iron sharpens iron. You've heard all of the sayings, probably, maybe not. And I began to choose a family. I didn't even realize I could do that. You know that, Ada? Right. Mm -hmm. Like that, that was a whole new thing for me. Like I thought I still had to have allegiance to my relatives. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh, allegiance. Whoa. Okay. Because mm. that's what I've been conditioned to think. Like I could still love them. But if they are no longer, you know, part of my, my growth process or if they're hindering me from becoming this better version of self by no fault of their own, let's be clear about that. Because some people, I talk about capacity all the time in coaching. They just don't have the capacity to see or understand what I'm trying to do mm -hmm. and who I'm trying to be or develop or, or they can't sharpen my knife anymore. They can't sharpen my iron. You know, my knife goes up against theirs and I, I dull my knife. No, 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 no shade, no tea, right? But um, it, it's just a time where you have to evolve, shed, so that you can grow. And, and I think that's okay. And I think people have allegiance to certain things or family members and think that, you know, that's just, that's just the end. That's just where they have to be. Um, but it took some. It took some hard, hard lessons for me to 
create boundaries, healthy boundaries for me, like for my mental health, for my social health, things were very toxic. And I mean, they, whomever on whatever end of, I mean, real friendships like that I thought I would have forever. Um, I had to sever ties with, um, I think of one person, no names, and she, <laughs> I mean, I just couldn't, I just, I have to be her friend in a different way. Let's just say that because she is not evolving um, in the way that I, I wanted her to. And that's another thing. I can't want something for somebody. You want her to. <laughs> okay. I see the potential, you know, and I can't, I can't love her for her potential. I have to love her for who she truly is and show up as every day and accept that. So I just think about that in those statements. But tell me, I, I've, I've been ranting and rambling and not giving you a, a leg up to speak on. Like, go ahead. So I definitely, now for me, I have always built my family. Um, and that's because I'm an only child. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So being an only child, for me, the only time that I ever truly relished being an only child uh was Christmas mm -hmm. um and that's because I never had to read the presents to see who they were for they were all for me but did your mama put your name on every present every single one <laughs> every single one <laughs> to, to this I, day <laughs> I did not know that I did not know that my, my name is on every single one every <laughs> single one and that was the only time because I could just run to the tree and rip it all open and whatever but almost any other time in my life, I felt a sense of loneliness. Yeah. Um, so I always, like my friendships were always like life and death for me. Mm -hmm. Any friend became a brother or sister. Like, mm -hmm. like, like, like if we were truly friends, now not associates, I was always cognizant of that part. So it wasn't mm -hmm. like everybody, but anybody who I was really cool with, like, I mean, tight, tight. I'm riding for you, da, 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 da. because this is what I feel like a sister should be like. This is what I feel like it should be having a brother. So that was what I was clinging to. Then you go to college and you yeah. just meet all these people all from all over the country, all over the world, different backgrounds, but yet you're finding out that you still have things in common with them. So now y'all are uh, growing literally growing with one another because you know those are your good good years 18 mm -hmm. to 22 or so formative that's yeah. what we like to call those years. formative right so one one thing that i learned in college was how you were saying you know the iron sharpens iron we were basically hanging in high school like we me and my friends we were like this is life mm. you know going through it but once i got to college we were like, this is life. This is how we're about to change the world. Like that's when the world stuff started. Mm -hmm. We're in school to be doctors, to be lawyers, yes. to be politicians, to be engineers, to be teachers, to be, you know, um, whatever else there was. So now in high school, we're all in school because this is what you do. Yeah. Okay. We're playing basketball, playing football. We, we do have a relationship. We do have some kind of little bond. 
But in school, once I went to college, we were literally talking about world type stuff. We are on CNN, MSNBC every day. We are talking in our economics class and stuff about stock markets, um, macro, um, mm -hmm. micro, you know, we're mm -hmm. learning this stuff. We, you are from Maine, where being in South Carolina, it's a whole nother world to you. I am hearing about how you live in Jersey. I'm hearing about how you're from Washington and Oregon exactly. and now you're in South Carolina and it's a different world. This doesn't go on here. Things that y'all are experiencing, I've never seen before. Oh, wow, this is new to me. Introduce me to this. What is Gullah? What, yes. is, what is this? What is that? Can you take me home with you? Yep. And show me A, B, and C. Okay, can I go home with you? And yep. learn, you see what I'm saying? So now- I did the same thing. So same now- thing. This is a real community. Yes. This is a real outside the box. And this is where I'm really growing and learning. Then I went off and pledged. Mm -hmm. Now it's a whole nother community. Okay. So for the sisters that I longed for growing up, I now have that times 10. Exponentially. I mean, <laughs> worldwide. Instantly, okay? So I instantly have them in front of me, but as we're traveling around doing our sorority duties and stuff, we're seeing our sisters in different states and in different countries. Yep. Now we're all coming together and now your mind is blown because for those who take it seriously, this sisterhood, it'll be a real sisterhood. Yep. They are now telling you how the way you move isn't a good look for you. Sharpening you up though. They are now telling you how, yeah, it's cool and okay that you like to do A, B, and C, but you don't need to be doing A, B, and C all the time. Right. There's a time and a place for that. And they're saying it directly to your face, but still with love. Yeah. More of a corrective type of thing than a bashing type of thing. Mm -hmm. Now you're learning that, yes, I wanted to be a teacher, but no ma'am, I see you being over a multitude of people teaching them. And you're just yeah. like, really? Yeah. Like, you know, you, you know, I, I think I'm good at talking, but you talk about, you see me in an arena talking. Okay. <laughs> so now you're listening and yeah. now you are thinking bigger. Okay. That and network. You, and, you, and now your network. Ooh. These people that you have now brought in your circle, you yes. have now interacted with, you have now, you are now still growing with. Because the good thing about college is that growth is a real growth. Yeah. You, you, you come in there from where you were to see things that you've never seen before. May, maybe of no fault of your own. And for me, I definitely, I mean, didn't see a lot of it. I honestly, like, that wasn't my life. I, I tell people that all the time. Like, I just didn't have those lived experiences. I didn't even have anyone that came before me that I could say, well, my cousin or my my friend or my aunt, um, uncle went here or there and could share those stories with me. Um, so that too, right? And it's forever once you make those bonds and those relationships with folks in college. It's forever. No matter, y'all don't even have to talk every day. Yep. But 
when that phone call comes through or that text comes through, it's right back to That's junior right. year, dorm room. Uh, <laughs> Tapping hall for me. <laughs> Listen, it, it was capstone. We did things in capstone and the tower. It's like you, you're immediately back there. You He's quiet. Remember <laughs> oh the plotting and the mm -hmm. planning. You know, you immediately can tune in. You immediately can accept that criticism or those thoughts and things because you know that they are trying to sharpen your iron. Yes. See, that's that's the difference. The difference when sometimes whenever you create a community, if you do it with heart and passion, you are able to receive what comes from that community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes when it's just your family that you were born into, you, you may not receive it the same way because you know where they are. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know more so of maybe their limitations or maybe more so of their mindset. But when you create your own com community and when y'all are like-minded, you know that whatever they're telling you is only to make you better. Yep. So, so, so you take it in more so. As <laughs> so there is um, just this final part that I like to get into, and that is the impact of the cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I know that one thing most people don't know is you had uh, an inside view of things that nobody Nobody had your perspective, Ada. And that's another reason why I said you had to do this show with me. You had a view of things that I didn't even get to see because I was in a space, place, and time that kind of froze me and paralyzed me to not receive, you know, what was going on around me. I was just head down trying to take on and do the things that I needed to do to get over um, the news. So I like to start this segment off by taking you back in time to that moment. And I do this with the reading of your blog posts that you share with me. Um, is that all right that I do that? All right. All right. Memory. So this is what you said. When someone close to you is diagnosed with something, it takes you back and makes you ponder things. When you are present for that diagnosis, it stirs up something totally different. It makes you go into protector and provider mode. It causes you to reach deep within yourself and make plans, not just to be present emotionally or physically, but also to be consistent, loyal, and dependable. I'm not the emotional type. I'm very lighthearted and rarely take anything seriously unless it has to do with business. However, I remember the enormous weight I felt in my stomach when the doctor was delivering the prognosis. I also remember the giant lump in my throat as I tried to swallow. I looked next to me and Malika was sitting up straight, poised and asking the hard questions. I wanted to be a pillar of strength and say something intelligent that would ease her fears. Yet all that would fumble out of my mouth was yeah and uh-huh. The news Dr. Lingerfeld said was utterly devastating. 
it was literally like, you have cancer, you need to check in immediately and prepare to stay for the next 30 days. Forget about your job. Do you wanna have kids? If so, we will see what we can do. I'm starting you on chemo the day after tomorrow. You're going to lose all of your hair. And he ended with life as you know it will never be the same. He went down a line of seemingly all negative things and he was shooting it out, all out of his mouth like darts. All I could do was hold her hand and tell her I would be there for her. Since I'm pretty straightforward, I have no problem saying I thought about myself for a while. I thought, dang, we just booked this vacation to Disney World for next week. I wonder if I could get a refund for that. So does this mean we ain't making it to the beach this summer? Since she can't drink, does that mean I can't drink either? Hey, cut me some slack. I'm the only child. So it usually is always about me. I was concerned about how my life would look as well. I was strong enough to endure what may lay ahead, but was I strong enough for what may endure? Sorry, let me go back. Was I strong enough to endure what may lie ahead? Was I able to be compassionate and empathize with the process? Was I willing to be in the hospital daily or communicating from Columbia to commuting from Columbia to Charleston more than I already was? There were dozens of questions swimming in my mind at one time, and I was trying to answer them all at one time. Then there was a moment when I glanced over at her and she looked at me with just as many questions in her eyes. We locked in the trance for what felt like forever and her eyes told me that I was strong enough to handle it and that she couldn't do it without me. I immediately felt at ease and a calming sensation took over my body. And at that moment, an adage my mother always says rang in my ears, God will never give you more than you can handle. I truly believed and felt that. I must stop there. There's more. You wrote a long one. So did that take us back? Look here. That made me feel something however many years later. Like seven. It's been seven years since I got the diagnosis. It is actually coming up on the eighth anniversary in June. Like, I don't... Like, I haven't thought about that day so much. I mean, like, sometimes I talk about, like, being in the hospital and stuff, but I didn't really think about that day. Mm -hmm. But hearing what I wrote about that day, like, every single part came back. Every single part. Like, I remember. I remember. And, gosh, (laughs) that only child thing definitely came up. Um, It's just... You know, almost going back to what we were saying before about the person that never really had to endure anything. I never had to endure anything that heavy, Mm -hmm. okay, by that time. So the questions that I was asking were like real questions Mm -hmm. because I've always been pretty self-aware. So like, you know, I know I can be a jerk. I know I can be self-centered and stuff. So no. the real question, shut up, shut up. 
those were real questions like I was asking myself because I wanted to be my best version for you at that time. Yeah. Like I know I couldn't let that side of me show or protrude because this was way more important and way more of a bigger thing. So those were like real questions. And I remember being there and I was kind of sitting like this and you were like over here on this side. And I remember when I looked at you, you were legit like, and just listening. And I was just like, damn, like, okay, now, like now is the time when I'm supposed to be like, okay, what are the next steps? What right. do we need to do to prepare? What is this going to look like in the next week, two weeks? Da, da, da. And all I was just like, like, I couldn't even, I couldn't even get it up. And you were just, and I just felt like, I remember I feeling so bad, like, dang, like you're like bombing completely. Wow. But then I just felt like the best thing I could do. And I, at the time I, I was correct with not being the most emotional right. through years of therapy and stuff. I am beyond emotional now. Golly. Like it's just, mm. ugh, it's just but word, good. get it out word vomit most of the time. But, um, at that time I didn't have a real verbal emotional component, but I could always write it. Yeah. So I, I think that, I think that's also what happened in that blog. Like I, I never had a, I never had a problem communicating what I, what I thought. I just always had a problem maybe saying it. And I think that had a, an issue with me feeling weak and stuff too. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, you never want to seem too soft or, or too whatever, especially when I'm supposed to be like this kind of like dominant type of masculine person. presenting female. But, okay. <laughs> but you know, that was that. But at that time, I remember there was just so many emotions. I remember that time in the hospital. Yeah. Like that, that was day in, day out. Like that was like, that was a grind itself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was soldier time for sure. Because there were so many changes. Like every day it was a change. Every yeah. day it was something new that was being added. Yeah. Let's try this. Today we're going to try to do that. Da -da -da -da. And then the two of us having to roll with it. So I'm trying to be positive and upbeat. That, that was nothing. I'm trying to be positive and upbeat. Oh my gosh, you got me hooked on the haves and have nots. So that, <laughs> that was, you know, uh, consuming most of our day. But in the meantime, we're trying to laugh and stuff. And then at the same time, you're going through something monumental. And like, I'm the person there. Mm. So that is not a time that I can even be like, well, you know, you know, I'm not really that emotional or, you know, I'm not really the caring type. And you know, I'm not, not really the nurturing type. Like, like you don't get those options. No. You, you got to show up and you have to be consistent with it. And I think it's, it's really telling of myself, even listening back to what I said, you know, I felt like at that time, what was needed was for me to be consistent and loyal and dependable. Yeah. I mean, and you were, I mean, I'm here to say it. If I have never said it, you were, you were there every day for those 30 days. Like, when I had to be in the hospital, going back and forth, coming, going, I I just don't even know how I would have done it. Like, cause there was nobody else, Ada. Remember, it was just us. I mean, there were, you know, my work friends. Oh gosh, thank y'all. I'm not going to say they weren't there. Um, there was Walt. Remember, you guys would do rotations. Mm -hmm. um, but we had a very small community, mm. but I had to have that community because how yeah. would I have gotten through that? Right. 
I mean, I am thankful that I was able to be there. Um, you know, thank God for the place I was in my life mm -hmm. then and made me available to be there. <clears throat> you know, um, I am grateful that you felt that I did an adequate enough job. You know, that, that plagued on me for some time too. Years later, I, really? I'll definitely say that. Years later, I was always like, ah, you know, I just don't know. <coughs> Excuse me. But yeah, because I think at the time when needs are so great, you know, like there were so many needs on both of our ends. Uh -huh. Nobody even asked Ada what she needed as a caretaker of somebody who is literally dying of cancer, having to watch this person go through all of the things. Did anybody stop and ask you that? You know, that is the question I often ask people that I talk to after the fact, like what, like who was taking care of you? The Lord. Mm. I mean, I mean, honestly, I think that how it all happened, you know, it, it was instantaneous almost. Mm -hmm. So you know, nobody really had time to prepare mentally or anything else, you know, as to what the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, year, yeah, whatever, looked it like. went on because then it went on, Lord. Because <laughs> as you said, we had literally just booked a trip to Disney World. So it wasn't like you were experiencing all these issues and we didn't know, you know what I'm saying? And you that I was sick, right. Yeah, that you were sick. Like, so it was like, boom, boom, boom. And even whenever he said it, he was like, yeah, go home, pack your bag. You need to come back. And we were just like, yep, same day, same day. So, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, nobody was, was prepared. You know, I, I, that's still one of the things I'm working with is being more, uh, uh, nurturing. So, mm -hmm. you know, I knew that wasn't my strong suit. So I was doing the best I could with that. Mm -hmm. um, I guess in my own way, I don't know if anybody knew how to be there for me because of how, I guess, strong and resilient I always appeared to be. Presented yourself to be. You know, hey. Because you needed help. You needed support. You needed kinship. You needed ease and softness when you left that room and somebody else stepped in that room in your place, like, how did you decompress? How did you, you know, get it out, release? I don't, I honestly don't know if I did till way after. I mean, I think what many of our friends didn't realize is that like, I felt like I, I was in it. Mm, you were. So it was like, you know, day in, day out, you know, we were both eating hospital food. Yep. Like we were, you know, we were both on the same schedule, you know, mm -hmm. like I woke up when they were coming to take the vitals and all kinds of this stuff or whenever certain things were going on. And I just remember being like, dang, like I felt so bad for you. I felt so bad for you. And I felt even worse for you because I was what you had to lean on. So, whew, Chile. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. I always save this part for the end because it is heavy. 
and I realize it is heavy. Anything just kind of wrap up that you want to say about how important it is to have a community because, you know, I want to thank you for being there, being a part of my community, continuing to be a part of my community, even in an extended way. Uh, we may not talk every day. We don't text often extended. <laughs> Long handle school. <laughs> don't do that <laughs> but no seriously thank you wrap it up for everybody we've been on this for a minute we didn't think we was gonna talk that long but I told you it always takes a while you like talking so oh and you like talking more to me <laughs> um no I would just say your community should be just that it should fulfill you it should um, make you feel a sense of warmth, a sense of comfortability, um, mm -hmm. but still be able to push you. Yes. You, you need different aspects in a community. You know, that there's one of us that, that is very caring and loving. And then there's one of us who's a little raw. You know, there's, there's one of us who, you know, I, I would say I'm probably the funny one. You oh. Know. oh, well, which one am I? If you the funny one. <laughs> Are you not funny? <laughs> I be feeling like I'm funny. <laughs> you're not funny. You 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 you're the loving one. Like you oh. you're you're like the embodiment. Like you are definitely probably the most um you're the nurturing one. Like I think out of us all, you know, we, we have wanted to be the funny one. Girl, sit down. Um, you know, everybody plays their role yeah. and then together those roles make a true community. Yes. You know, if anything, I know it's not something I think I know it's a factual statement that our iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. I mean, we go from talking about the shade room to what the stock market is looking like Absolutely. back to back to politics, back to twerking back to schools, back to, I mean, like, and the fact that we have such- And you helped me with my dissertation. <laughs> I mean, girl, girl, I mean, <laughs> listen, we have um, people who did not go to college, yeah, along yeah. with people with bachelors, along with people with masters, along with people with PhDs, along with somebody working on their PhD. So any facet of like, we have people who work in factories, people who work in sales, people who mm -hmm. work in teaching, people who work in- production, you transportation, know, transportation, wherever. <laughs> well, it, we, we have our hand in just about any and everything. And if we don't have it um, individually, we know how to have a contact out there, mm -hmm. which I think makes us, it, like I said, a community. We are able to bounce ideas off of one another. Um, we are able to grow with one another. You know, and I think that is what people are missing. You're calling everybody friends that you hang out with and y'all just go to dinner and get drinks and you're swearing at your friend, but you don't know nothing about them. You are calling people, your brother and sister, which will not be there for you in your darkest hour. Um, you, you are calling people family that can't remember your birthday. Mm. Uh, 
Okay, wait, let me take that okay. back. Okay. Because I don't remember nobody's birthday. Uh, I, I was about to call you out for that. Yes. But let's yes. just... Yes. I don't remember anybody. You anybody. need community. <laughs> I, but but my community keeps me on tabs because they will send me a text to be like, you know, so-and-so birthday is today. And I'd be like, got it. I know yours is August 13th. Okay. So, um, so I mean, it's just stuff like, like that. I think that the word community... Um, is very Along with resilience and resilient. why you have to have a community in order to be resilient. You talked about being propped up. My community is what allows me to be strong in those times where I am weak or to appear strong because I'm not. I am weak. They're propping me up. I like that, what you said. I'm going to use that. I'm stealing that. Putting it in a book. Dropping little gems on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's needed. Um, you we're under the impression that being independent and alone is something mm. to be strived Revered. for. No, me, mm. it's, it's not. I want help. Yes. Help me. Help me. If you see I'm going down the wrong path, cut the path off. But explain to me why it's getting cut off mm -hmm. and explain to me why I can do better. And then I can receive it and I can do better. And that's what my community, I feel like, I feel like that is their job. There were so many nuggets that I took away from today's episode. Part of resilience is facing difficult things head on and the ability to move forward by growing through every part of life's process. Struggling, as you know, is a natural part of living. But what matters most is how we react to the struggle. So if you are interested in exploring strategies around this work with a trusted, certified coach, you can reach out to me directly on my website, www.thecatalystgroup.net. That's www.thecatalystgroup.net. Or send an email to me, mstubbs at thecatalystgroup.net. That's M-S-T-U-B-B-S at T-H-E-C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T-G-R-O-U-P dot N-E-T. Remember to follow, like, and share this episode. And if you enjoyed what you heard, remember to leave a five-star review for me. You can continue this discussion on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following me at The Catalyst. That's T-H-E underscore C-A-T-A, -A, the number one, Y-S-T, with the hashtag The Catalyst Coach. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of Point Six Eight, The Catalyst Effect. A special thank you to my guests for being so open and vulnerable as we define moments of resilience together. And I hope that you, my listeners, will continue to join me for these monthly chats. And maybe, just maybe, one day, we can all dream of never being called resilient again. <laughs>